Hello and welcome to another episode of Thinking Critically, a D&D discussion. A podcast where we take a single word or topic and discuss what it means within the D&D 5e and wider TTRPG framework. Each episode, I'm joined by a different guest to dissect a different topic. And today, I'm joined by Philippa Mort. Thank you ever so much for joining us today, Philippa. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you for having me. Yeah, my name's Philippa Mort. You can find me on Twitter at MortPhilippa. And I'm mostly known for uh, writing various adventures and supplements on the DMs Guild for D&D stuff. Uh, But I also do some other game design on Itch.io and Drive-Thru RPG as well. And I occasionally DM games and stuff. And I do a bit of art, just a bit of everything, really. (laughs) Amazing. Wicked. So today's topic is aesthetic. So what does that mean to you in the D&D framework? So as I mentioned, I do a bit of art as well as writing and normal playing. Um, So to me, aesthetic, when I think about it, is things like designing based on like a mood board or designing with the image in mind first for your game Mm -hmm. rather than necessarily thinking of adventure first and using sort of different like visual ideas to kind of lead your your own sort of game ideas as a sort of basic (laughs) idea of it. Okay I love that because I am very much not a visually creative person I mean I'm probably doing myself a disservice there but uh, (laughs) art has never been my strong suit so when you so you design you say you design on HIO like TTRPGs, right? Yeah. And then do you use this kind of like mood board approach for those then, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So for example, um I wrote an adventure with transparent games called Temple of the Goddess. And the whole start of it was that the person who runs transparent games had found a really cool map and put out a call and said, Does anyone want to write an adventure based on this map? I think it was by Korok DMs. Uh, was the map maker and I was just like yeah <laughs> that sounds really fun like let's come up with a whole adventure based off this one map um, and just what I can see in it and what looks interesting um, so yeah starting on a map or like sometimes I'll have a sort of a final boss fight image in my brain and I'll start from there rather than trying to go the like the other way of brainstorming first and then finding art okay yeah that's that's really interesting because my entire homebrew campaign to date is very much the other way around so it's like (laughs) this is going to happen and this is going to happen then maybe they'll fight these things here okay let me try and build an encounter that is interesting i mean i I obviously have a high level kind of like a a vision i suppose if you will but there's no (laughs) there's no kind of like inspiration it's all just has to be kind of yeah. churned out. <laughs> Sometimes that's that's easier said than done. So that map, then I really want to let's, let's talk about that for a little bit more. Then what what kind of interesting things were on that map? Then and you don't have to give like don't don't feel like you need to give yeah. away your, your trade secrets or anything. But some some take us through that thought process basically. Well, I can explain it because obviously everyone would use the map differently for their own thing. So the main part of it was sort of a central dais made of marble, like a sort of octagonal dais mm-hmm. with a sort of bridge leading to it, surrounded by sort of purple and pink water with these like bodies lying in it. And then on the dais was a sort of an altar with a sword and then these four statues and then a fountain in the centre. And that was kind of it was the main stuff. And then the whole thing was this sort of pinky purpley colour, mm-hmm. uh, which to me, I was like, purple to me that screams astral plane which is then the adventure i wrote was about going to the astral plane the the basis of it was you have to try and find the body of a dead goddess and then like travel through her ossified body to find her heart which is the fountain but you could also 
totally do something completely different with the same map. Mm-hmm. But just, yeah, based on that starting visual, kind of go off in all sorts of different directions, which was fun. Yep, yep. I mean, purple and pink are uh, a favourite uh, yeah. of mine <laughs> very, as well. very apt. <laughs> <laughs> as you can tell by the, the podcast logo there. Um, so, I mean, I guess an alternative just off the top of my head, If did you say there was like a, the liquid was purpley and pink? Yeah. I guess another way... You, which again, just off the top of my head, that somebody could take that is like it was poisoned. If you wanted to go a bit more of a mundane, yeah. Well, all the bodies route. floating in it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. Have you had any other instances of that creative process? If you don't mind taking us to another sure. example. I, I, sorry, you're going to have to humor me because I'm just finding this like, no, no, super no, no. interesting. Uh, so one other thing I do in my home campaign, uh, which I literally just finished the year-long campaign like a month ago Mm -hmm. but I have a massive Pinterest board just for that Uh, and I will have like I don't know if you've used Pinterest much but when you kind of go through it'll suggest new images related to the one you've just been looking at so there'll be sort of streams of ideas based around the same image so I had the whole arc based on Zuktmoy the demon queen of fungi um just because I kept seeing all these pictures of little mushroom boys, and I was like, I must have some myconids in my campaign because I keep yeah. seeing these pictures of them. So I just did a whole arc based on mushrooms because I'd just seen loads of pictures of mushrooms and was like, this looks really fun. <laughs> uh, so yeah, sort of that's another way. Like I kind of get started if I'm looking at an aesthetic, I guess, or a vision. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm. This is where. I don't like doing the podcast because it makes me introspective of my own here, <laughs> like <laughs> super self-critical because I'm like, maybe the way I'm doing, well, I mean, it's always good to say, could I improve by looking at X, Y, and Z if I do it, you know, mm. in, in ABC kind of way. And I'm thinking like I'm, can be very precious of my encounters and, and my story chapters. And I, I kind of mm. like things to be done to the nth degree as uh, my partner will tell you, uh, I am like that in my real life as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm just trying to think of ways that I could like incorporate that kind of kind of aesthetic design process. If we give it, if we should, if we coin the phrase, mm. uh, as if I'm the first person to ever coin that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. also, I mean, to be fair, I will say, as you were saying, you're quite like an organized person in real life. I'm a very visual focused person, like in general, if you talk about like, I know we've dismissed all the different styles of learning nowadays, like mm-hmm. visual or auditory or whatever, but I am a very visual learner. <laughs> so <laughs> like to me, visual stuff is quite like ingrained in how I process a lot of different stuff. Mm-hmm. So even though I'm often doing it more descriptively to my players, I'll always have a picture in my brain as a place to start. So I wouldn't say like, this is something you'd have to incorporate in your own um, game or planning or in fact, anything that people necessarily should if they're not that style of learner. Mm-hmm. But if you are, it is a fun way to do it, I think, rather than sort of staring at the monster manual like, how do I get from this monster to this place? Well, mm-hmm. you can just work in a different order. <laughs> yeah, and here's me giving myself whiplash because this is the reason I love doing the podcast is because I get people such as yourself on who bring that different perspective. So a lot of guests I've had today are, I would say, lean more towards my style so very like me- yeah. mechanical based very much like let me let me put the lego bricks together to build this encounter let me have environmental effects let me mm. have this let me have that so it's really good to broaden my horizons completely to say well yeah that's great but maybe there's you mm. can come to it from a completely different angle and come up with things that are even better than <laughs> perhaps what you were doing before yeah. or just different yes yeah, yeah, <laughs> if yeah we yes. say it kindly <laughs> um so 
with that in mind, then actually that 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 leads me on to the next question I, I had was: Have you ever designed something, either an, an encounter, a campaign, a one shot, a TTRPG? Like, were you ever forced to go the other way around? Like, were you ever having to be a bit more procedural about it? Um. Yes. So, firstly, I have done it the other way just to do it both ways and see mm. what it's like. And then also sometimes like I've done a few collaborations and things that are coming out in a bit and Mm -hmm. that obviously requires you to sort of pitch an idea first. Mm -hmm. So you do need to have it planned (laughs) and know the rough outline. But I would say that this approach is not like you have to do one or the other because, for example, based on what I just said, there's a series called Not Another Monster Quest. The first mm-hmm. volume's come out, and there's some more coming out soon. I'm in a later volume, and I'm writing an adventure for that. My adventure is based on a visual from the uh, British Museum, mm-hmm. which has this giant whale skeleton hanging from the ceiling. But in my version, it's a dragon skeleton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I just have this visual of this whale skeleton, and I'm like... You know, that's cool. But I'd already had this idea of like, okay, a museum and these things. And, mm-hmm. and then I create a little mood board to fit with it. So it's not necessarily, okay, I will either do procedural or I will do visual. It's, uh, it can kind of come together. I'm waving my arms a lot, which is not very good for a vis- for an auditory <laughs> medium. But, you know, <laughs> you can match it all together. Yes, yes. Uh, the, re- the reason I ask that question is because I wanted to get your idea on whether, whether you think the output then is coloured by the method and it sounds like a stupid question now i'm asking it because the answer is presumably of course yes so i guess (laughs) that the follow-up will be in in what ways then perhaps so Mm. if if so say the prompt is i'm trying to think of a prompt that could work both ways so say there's a prompt that's a photo and some text and like someone just Mm. really kind of focuses on the image and says okay let me build a campaign out of this and then another person really focuses on the text that that's maybe maybe just a textual description of that image is there like do you think that could lead to fundamentally different experiences? Hmm, that's a really good question. I feel like, just thinking about it, if it was a description of an image, mm-hmm. I feel like it wouldn't be that different because obviously you're trying to describe the image. Yeah. But I wonder if something like, you know in the DM's guide, it has those roll tables of adventures and things. Mm-hmm. What if you rolled on that randomly and then attempted to piece it together? That mm-hmm. would definitely make something quite different than looking at a single image or yeah. something like that. Or a large piece of lore, maybe, uh, would probably give you something a bit different because you'd have more to work with than just a single image. Mm-hmm. I think that's where it would be different, but I I don't know if it would be that different if it was just a written description and a visual one, apart from you might pick out different things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I had all the time in the world, I would like to play like a control. I'd like to yes. play like five designed in one way, five designed in another way. Yeah, and, and see what could, happens. Yeah, 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 and see what the difference is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Is there any other? Because I, I, the only things I've designed are my homebrew campaign, really. Mm. Um, eventually, that might become public facing, but at the moment, it's still very much f- for my home game. Yeah. So, of course, the design process I take is probably quite radically different to maybe something that people are doing commercially or for, for the yeah, public for use. Sure. So do you use that visual design process for everything, both your home games and your public facing stuff? If anything, I probably use it more for my home games mm-hmm. because obviously when you're doing something commercial, you can't ever take that art that you've sort of been inspired by uh, and put it in the product unless you're mm-hmm. going to you know, pay for it and get the copyright. Whereas in a home game, if no one's going to see it and you are 
sensible about it yes, yeah. and don't just rip it willy-nilly. Yeah. You can also show your friends what you've found and be like, look, it's like this. Or mm-hmm. like, it's like this roller coaster ride that I saw one time. Yes. Do you remember this yeah, yeah. image that we all share? Um, so I think I probably use it more in my own games because I can use it sort of more liberally. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, I think when I'm designing for a, a commercial product, I probably actually use it in the written, like, details less because I don't know about you, but when I'm reading a supplement, I don't really want loads and loads of visual description, like written descriptions and things, Mm -hmm. apart from in the read aloud text. I kind of want the instructions and then to carry on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it more just affects the idea of the narrative more than maybe the writing. But I don't know. Others might say that actually my stuff is very like visual based and i'm just not realizing it. yes <laughs> so, yeah who knows <laughs> it's always hard to have that introspection you know completely unbiased yeah. so yeah absolutely so we've talked a lot so far about that aesthetic design process versus yeah. a mechanical design process um and how i want to crib how you do things um <laughs> so another thought that i had on this word aesthetic and what it means with mm. for D and T RPGs. Yeah, is basically like the tone of a game. Yes. So yes. like the, the the theme or the vibe to use a modern Yes, term. vibe for sure. <laughs> so how do you go about then? If we if we continue with our strengths uh, and think about designing for a specific kind of tone or, or aesthetic yes. or vibe. So, you know, obviously you've got like political intrigue you've got heavy kind of tactical combat you've got goofy side quest comedy show stuff so friendly (laughs) so how do you romance exactly yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, which is the title of another one of my episodes um so if how how do you uh so obviously when you're you're, when you're designing something you're designing to fit this theme that you have in your head but yeah you know the the encounters this and the other but do you think that like there's this kind of like a feedback loop so the things you think to add in that are kind of like again kind of colored by or restricted mm. in some way like how do you how do you how do you go about designing mm. for a particular trope i guess is a good way to start yeah, yeah. well I, I don't know what you think but i feel like often actually sort of tropes or sort of cliches can then often be twisted back around to be fun again with mm-hmm. D stuff like it can be kind of fun to actually lean in so i do think there's a bit of a circular process if you're sort of really leaning into a certain thing. So, so for example, like I wrote a mystery one shot and there was a lot of references sort of gently filed off from things like Ocean's Eleven mm-hmm. and uh, other sort of heist movies and mystery TV programs and things. And I feel like it kind of can inspire you back around mm-hmm. by, yeah, thinking of the genre. But also then it's fun to go off that as well. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I I did a a one part of one of my campaigns was a break into a, a head office, so it's still very much you know like medieval fantasy. I can't remember the technical term yes. for it, but um, I like to have like modern trappings as I call it. So for sure, yeah, there was like in 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 my universe, the dwarven capital is like this super capitalist environment because they're all it's like the logical outcome of them being like resourceful and product production and stuff is so so there's like one big kind of like monopoly that deals with like all adventuring gear and it's all a bit carbon copies and like kind of low quality because it's just like the primark of uh i can't think of the the, i can't think of an american equivalent but like of of adventuring gear so like all my all my players now have got the same bedroll 
which is like branded yeah. to be like <laughs> um, <laughs> adventurous first bedroll. Yeah, and they so <laughs> part of that quest was to break into the head office because of some corporate espionage stuff and whatnot. And I literally had the Metal Gear Solid soundtrack playing as they were yeah. doing so. That was my <laughs> my inspiration for that was MGS, uh, and it was like guard patrols, and, and I built this office to be this like the HR department and the marketing department because I like to subvert the expectations a little bit and yes they're going you're going to the mine you know people are thinking lord of the rings yeah. people are thinking you know that they're going to have this dawn forge that's yeah. going to be all like hearty and wholesome <laughs> and i'm like no no no, they're offering you a membership card that's where <laughs> that's the level of where these guys are at um so yeah there was a guy in the sales department like working late if they if they went into that room and stuff and that was how i mix my tones i guess i always mm. say it's a world equally full of whimsy as it is war and i try to mm. merge those two tones of like yeah there's there is like like an existential threat going on so like people will die eventually if you if through inaction yeah but yeah. on that journey we can have some fun have some fun yeah <laughs> well yeah i suppose i think that's a good point actually because i think you can have like an overall theme in aesthetic like we talk, we talk about that in other terms when we say like grimdark campaign mm -hmm. or gritty realism. But then on the other end, you can have like yeah, whimsical story, you know, yeah, modernized or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think there's some things that you can do in in your sort of campaign where it's very like some funny bits, and mm -hmm. I, I run a similar sort of thing that you can't really explore so much if you are going for like realism and everything mm -hmm. is yeah. covered in mud. Uh, it's like harder <laughs> to kind of stray away from it and explore different styles if you do do that that's obviously not to say you shouldn't do that no. obviously play the game you want to play but um yeah i think you can kind of bring in more funny different genres if mm. you are already playing a slightly comedic game mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i think although you might be like if you if you do pigeonhole yourself to a very specific aesthetic to to a campaign i think although you might have less flexibility like you're not going to have like laurel and hardy come by and slip up on a banana yeah. leaf banana leaf banana skin uh and be like ah isn't that isn't that funny but i think the rewards are potentially you, you can get a bit yes. maybe a bit more out of it because there, there is that kind really of laser, into it. yeah that laser focus on that that kind of thing and if everybody's on board with that yeah. aesthetic it's it's like um Ravenloft is so popular, mm. I think, partially because it's like vampires, scary, Shadowfell, everything spooky. Like, you can really lean into it mm -hmm. because you know what you're aiming for. Whereas, yeah, if you're trying to like try something a little bit different to, you know, what's available already, mm -hmm. it can be a little bit harder to sort of work out how you're going to balance it. Yeah. Maybe. Both with monsters and story. Yeah, yeah. The vibe of Ravenloft is super strong. Um, and yeah. not another one, not that I'm hugely familiar in the published adventures, but none other spring to mind that are that strongly themed mm. off the top of my head. I, I mean, would say maybe maybe Eberron. Yeah, and Theros. Has a very specific style. Yeah. But, um, but a lot of the kind of, I mean, they're in the generic, like, generic yeah. quote-unquote Forgotten Realms setting, a lot of the, a lot of the other ones. So I think... Is a thought that I just had around because you said there about the vibe is so strong and you kind of you know what you're getting. I think, uh, well, let me not lead the witness here. How do you think that impacts kind of new players? Now, I have a, a thought mm. on this, but it'd be interesting to see to see what you think. Yeah, so I have a fun story with that actually because I don't know if you've heard of the supplement Eyes Unclouded, which was like a Studio Ghibli themed anthology of adventures. No. Um, but 
if I say Studio Ghibli, that gives you the vibe of like, you know, cute, fun. Mm -hmm. So it was one of my friend's first ever D&D game. And her boyfriend, conversely, is very like, we're going to kill everything. We're going to ha hack and smash and it's going to be, you know, scary. Mm -hmm. And I, I, kind of, I, I know her as a friend anyway. And I was like, I don't think she's going to be as interested in that. I think she's going to like the social side. So I ran her that as her very first session. And she was kind of like wasn't what I was expecting, but I really like it. So mm -hmm. I think, yeah, I think it can definitely have an impact on the player depending on what they're expecting. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, if you're going to do a strong vibe or aesthetic in your campaign, I think it's probably more important to do a session zero than if you were playing a more sort of like general fantasy because, especially with new players, but also with any player, like if you suddenly spring a totally new style on them, it will feel kind of weird. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think I went off track from the question, but <laughs> I think I made a good point. No, no, no. You are, you answered it in a, in a different <laughs> in way. In a roundabout what, way. No, yeah, in, in, a, in a different way that I had thought. Um, so, <laughs> yes, I absolutely agree with everything you've just said. And I want to remind me if I don't come back to it later on about the third session zero yes. thing about setting the style, because that's something I wanted to, to talk about on that. Yes. But I just had a thought of, in terms of specifically new players as well, I think now I'm actually thinking about it, it can help build a character when the setting is so concretely and like objectively defined so like yeah. you said it's like ravenloft vampires like vampire hunters witch hunters you're immediately to like blade van yes. helsing you've got so much just like off of the tip of your tongue for everybody can yeah. kind of be like oh cool yeah i want to be a you know a vampire hunter i want to be yeah. a, a farmer whose children have been kidnapped by vampires or whatever like there's so much there it's also faster to get people ready for mm. something like Ravenloft because you just say what you just said like it's Van Helsing it's this it's this whereas like Faerun you're like okay so there's this wiki but we don't really need to follow the wiki if we don't want to mm. and uh. <laughs> yeah I think that's <laughs> so that's again we're gonna loop back around here I've got yes. I've got so many plates spinning of thoughts in my head right now yeah, but, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a, a friend of mine who I play in and I've DM'd for him before he falls into that little pitch up a little bit of himself when he makes a new character he's quite obviously gone and googled like gods of dnd 5e and then he's yeah. come back and i know the dm's been like what is any of this that you've written in your backstory because i don't recognize like and he's like oh yeah it's this god and it's this and it's like the harpers and they're really important to me and the yes. dm's like they're not really in my world because i haven't really yeah. thought about them <laughs> um he's obviously been searching for some kind of content some kind of theming some mm -hmm. kind of vibe and found it online and gone okay that's that that will do and it's kind of led to that extra overhead for yeah. the dm and it's a similar trap that i've fallen into as a dm from the other approach is as i've just discussed my campaign is kind of a little bit of everything smushed together there isn't a yeah. super strong theme apart from there's an existential threat you might want to think about stopping it because people might die and I think that might have negatively impacted the newer players making their characters because there was no immediate kind of, they forgot their experience of mediuming. Yeah, it's not a bouncing off point. Yeah, they're just like, oh, I guess I'll make a sorcerer rather than be like, what does a what does a vampire hunter look like? Maybe they've got a crossbow and a sword. Cool, yeah. that's fighter, ranger, rogue, something like that. Whereas you're just like... Uh, I guess I'll just be this dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Uh, so I think having a strong setting and theme and vibe and aesthetic and tone and however you want to color it for today's conversation has additional benefits other than just 
it being more focused it has those kind of secondary benefits of the players being like oh okay i know what to build towards and it makes their lives easier and you haven't even started playing yet and you as the dm are already making the the players lives easier which i think is quite a nice point although there there can be a downside i have two downsides i have discovered these sorts of things so one is if your player doesn't actually listen to what you told them and then makes a totally different character that doesn't fit that vibe and then you're like kind of need you to change the character because Mm. it doesn't fit and that's not very fun to have to do to someone who spent time thinking about it but also they should have read my document that i carefully wrote for them (laughs) (laughs) um the other one is also if you forget what your (laughs) theme is and then everyone like pauses and is like what's happening so for example i ran a summer camp themed campaign Mm -hmm. where so obviously all of the adventurers were like teenagers i forgot they were teenagers in one session and like had quite a scary like like adult moment which obviously we're adults so it's fine but then we were like oh hang on wait they're all teenagers this is bad yeah (laughs) oh no (laughs) so we had to sort of be like okay rewind rewind that doesn't happen that doesn't happen we'll do something else (laughs) that fits more appropriately (laughs) so they're not just like these traumatized teen adventurers for life (laughs) yeah i never want to go adventuring remember your theme is the tip (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's, that's a very good tip um so here's what I, what I wanted to talk about about the session zero stuff. I, I think I've probably mentioned it on an episode prior, where I almost feel like again I I focus on new players because that's what I've got a lot of experience with. And despite being sixty sessions yeah. in, some of them are still new. Um, yes. And so I almost feel like there needs to be kind of a session zero and a session 0.5 (laughs) before you start session one and it's a mistake that i made and i'm really trying hard not to make again because another friend of mine has just reached out and said download you want to can you dm for me and two mates who we've heard how much fun you guys have they want to try it can you do this and i've gone aha i can but answer these questions first (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and it is stuff like what kind of game do you want tactical combat do you want funny do you want not funny do you want that kind of stuff so I can get a lot of that out of the way because what I did when I started was I did a session zero, but it was basically like a tutorial rather than a, yeah. an actual session zero. And I kind of feel like you need both. And yeah. when you're kind of time constrained as we were, I think it could be beneficial to split that out. So what I ran was literally like a very short, very condensed, literally like here's some NPC interaction. Here's a tiny bit of exploration. Here's some combat done like two hours that's a snippet like a microcosm of what you're going to get in a larger campaign if this is if if, did you enjoy that basically yes or no which i think is absolutely one part but what another part was missing was also like there's going to be a metal gear solid bit and (laughs) there's going to be like what is basically what is your what are your preconceptions about D &D? yes what are you expecting and here's how we're going to actually do it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of thing. I've, I've done the same thing in the past as well. Absolutely. Just been like, right, let's go. I'll show you how to do everything. And then they're like, I don't actually know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> what? Why, why are we not going in a dungeon? And I'm like, nope, no more dungeons, even though it's called Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. Yeah. Mine, mine are also very few and far between, but when they come, they are like huge set piece kind of things yeah. rather than like every other side quest being a smaller dungeon. Yeah. I did also think, on session zero, I feel like Dungeons and Dragons as a game doesn't have like a set way that you could do it that the DM's guide suggests for you to introduce people to. But I kind of steal some stuff from other games like um, Monster of the Week. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, Glitter Hearts are two Powered by the Apocalypse games. And the way that they're kind of set up, they have like a section at the front that basically is like, here are the themes of this game. So Monster of the Week is like, imagine Buffy, imagine, mm. uh, you know, other Monster Hunter games, um, you know, Supernatural yes. and things like that. And by having a section of like, here are the themes of the game, it really gets you immediately into what you're expecting. Mm. Whereas in Dungeons and Dragons, you're kind of like, Lord of the Rings-ish, but also not. Mm. And so I think that's something you could like steal a little bit from other games is like, Putting your theme up front like that, I think, mm -hmm. can be very helpful. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. <laughs> that's probably. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put myself out there. Would you say that's one of the most important things? Probably above anything else. I mean, aside from the obvious, like safety and, and like yeah. and that kind of stuff that kind of goes without saying. Like, obviously, yeah. everyone's got to be comfortable. But once, <laughs> once that, you know, the important mm. mandatory stuff yeah. is done, do you think? advertising the the aesthetic and the vibe is probably the most important thing and i'm very much that's such a loaded mm. question <laughs> <laughs> but yes I, I would say so in in terms of like you don't want to be turning up thinking you're playing eyes unclouded you know studio ghibli style mm. and starting a grimdark campaign you don't want to turn up thinking you're playing grimdark and start playing an uncaged or eyes unclouded game like mm -hmm. Either way, someone's going to be upset. Yes, so yeah. <laughs> I do think like a lot of the problems we see, we see people complaining on Twitter about like, oh, I prefer this style, I prefer this style. Well, all the styles are fine. It, you just need to say what you're going to do mm. and then you won't be upset about it. Mm -hmm. I think there's something to be said for if if you're playing type A, of you know, whatever type it might be. I think there is something to be said for having maybe like one player character that might be a little bit, I'm not talking about like, Blade and Shudo Ghibli, but I'm talking like you know a, a middle ground. Yeah, but you work, can push you know, the boundaries. Work for with sure, the DM yeah. to to make it part of the the campaign rather than just like yeah. the black sheep, the red herring that's just the exactly. sticking yeah. out. Because then that that can work. Because then you can the DM can play off of that to be like yes. this guy's a little bit unusual, but for reasons you might see or that might become apparent later on, or or what? Yeah, what impact? that person being like that has on the wider world rather than just being yeah. like Sonic the Hedgehog in a <laughs> Lord of the Rings saying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is, I mean, would have pretty dire consequences, I imagine, for somebody, but it yeah. wouldn't be, I don't think it'd be a completely compelling story. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you don't want Boblin the Goblin in your like really serious Curse of Strahd campaign. <laughs> yes, yeah. Unless you do want it and then it's fine. Yes, and, and everybody <laughs> knows that that, is something that could transpire exactly. <laughs> and they're not there's not like two player characters who are like having this really like super impactful like yes. fireside chat about what just happened and then it's like hey gang <laughs> well hey <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh yeah absolutely yeah so yeah i i would say i know there's a lot of and rightly so focus on doing an effective session zero and it's not just in the community obviously wizards have put it in their, their latest one of their latest books as uh, some additional guidance on it but i do think from if you're running it i think it pays to do quite a lot of preparation my like in my uh, classically arrogant manner went yeah i'll just kind of eyeball it and yeah. do it on the night and it, obviously that bit me in the ass later on uh, <laughs> for reasons i've already <laughs> described so i think it can help to be like no no no, no. We, we let's let's get this theme set up and then people can build characters and then you can even have the the kind of 0 0.5 the here's what the dice do and here's what a character she yeah. is you can do that with their actual characters which is probably a better idea than what i did which is with pre-gens that i said let, let me let me yeah. worry about that for you because it's 
quite a lot of overhead, but that could probably be the bridge between zero and 0 0.5. Mm. And to like bring it back around, if you are quite like a visual or arty person, you can be very extra in how you do this. <laughs> so like I was saying I did like this camp like camp themed game i made like a summer camp leaflet for them amazing <laughs> it's like here's a leaflet for the camp and then i gave them some information like okay so how would you tie yourselves into this mm. so rather than spending time with me just like talking at them which is wasting session zero yes. time i was like okay beforehand look at all of this cool stuff and it's a lot like that's the other thing i think can be useful with sort of visual and aesthetic stuff is it can be much faster to just show a picture than it mm -hmm. is to you know spend half an hour describing this whole thing so, yeah, it doesn't always have to be done the same way is, I guess, what I'm saying there. Yes, 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 for sure. It speaks a thousand words, as they say. Exactly. So we talked a little bit earlier on about getting inspiration from various different pop culture and, and mm -hmm. so on and so on and specifically the, the kind of tropes and the cliches that can come out from that now earlier on you said that you can kind of loop back around on those tropes and kind of bring them back in in a in a, in a, a different perspective shall we say yeah. have you can you um elaborate a little bit more on that sure yeah so i just think like often you'll have like a very sort of a stereotype from a genre so <laughs> the, the example that's coming to my mind is that i ran a session based on the tv show crystal maze amazing sign me up <laughs> uh, which if anyone's listening who doesn't know what it is it's basically like a sort of puzzle game and you have all these different types of puzzles like physical puzzles mental puzzles and you gain a little crystal um from each one and then at the end you go in this like crystal dome and try and grab a load of money and it's great it's, it's, a, it's a cultural icon of the uk I think. it's amazing yeah. They redid it recently with Richard Ayoade. It's great. Anyway, but obviously there's key beats to that particular show that I had to work in, like there being some sort of game master in a dome mm -hmm. at the end and there needs to be crystals involved and things and like probably the game master like berating people in some <laughs> way. So, but you can twist that into ways that still fit into D&D. &D. So instead of the game master just standing in the room, I had a magic mouth like shouting at people or like the crystal is in a doorway so you can't unlock the door until you get through or, you know, do traditional D&D &D puzzles and mm -hmm. traps within that setting. So, um, and then like the dome, instead of just catching loads of money, <laughs> they have to fight a monster okay. and things. So that's kind of what I mean is like, bringing stuff in and then twisting it a bit all the way back around so that it still fits within the idea or the the, the vision you have yep. but in a way that now makes sense in D. &D yes yeah i guess yeah and again another reason why i love the podcast is because i'm immediately now thinking of like oh what ways what other things could i yes. uh, you know co-op if anyone yeah if anyone's thinking of doing crystal maze one they have a whole list someone has made an entire list of all of the puzzles online so if you need puzzle ideas just google crystal maze puzzles and you'll be set for like your next 10 dungeons yes oh absolutely uh yeah uh, i've just got such good <laughs> memories now I, I went through a phase maybe like six months ago of watching them on youtube the old the old school stuff is just yeah has a very je ne sais quoi about it it's just got it's just innately watchable <laughs> I could, I could talk about it for hours because, I mean, it's also good dungeon design, you know, different theming. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> I won't, but yes, it's a good show. Yes, yeah, yeah. I just, like, to, to bring you back onto what I yeah. had I'd originally <laughs> thought of before I lost track down memory lane, 
was <laughs> obviously there's a lot of talk around kind of like and this isn't D specific but in, in media in general is around kind of like tropes and stereotypes for sure you kind of having like a negative connotation because it's yeah. either been done or has legitimate historical reasons Problems, yeah. yeah why not to do it so they can be quite hard to, you know you might inadvertently bring something in and not know that it's problematic yes i yeah. don't know if there's any not to put you on the spot i mean i'm asking because i don't know whether there's any yeah. kind of advice or tips or things when you're trying to build a vibe or build a, a particular mm. theme and go oh yes Vamp yeah. vampire for example or for sake of my head uh you know apologies in well, advance strad is a good example yeah has like some themes of like i think vampires in general have a theme of sort of rape mm -hmm. and like sexual coercion and things both metaphorically and sometimes literally mm -hmm. So, yeah, you want to be kind of aware of that, if possible. Mm -hmm. You might not know about it before you spring it on your players. But, yeah, as you say, like, there are ways to mitigate it. So, like, in a home game, again, Session Zero, safety tools, like, check with people beforehand. Um, also, like, if you're... I guess, like, a good example is um, some, like, cryptids monsters are basically just Native American monsters, like animals mm -hmm. or creatures that have a very specific meaning so if you're thinking of including those in your game you should probably look it up first before you you know throw it on in mm -hmm. so it kind of depends like what it is you're thinking of including and you're not going to do that for everything you might not remember you might not realize but yeah it's probably a good idea to sort of just do a bit of a quick google <laughs> a quick a quick wikipedia search and if you're planning to publish you should probably run it by someone who knows more about it than you mm. and maybe even pay them to do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah is the the probably the best way to do that um i did think of a good example of this actually so <laughs> sorry this is a bit of a tangent but also it's a good example of this so i'm actually currently finishing writing a cottagecore themed adventure okay. so cottagecore core being a form of aesthetic that is primarily visually based there's no like punk going on in cottagecore <laughs> it's all visual okay. but Cottage, so cottagecore is like going out to nature, living in a cottage, mm -hmm. you know, doing some gardening. Now, cottagecore has two very distinct groups, lesbians and trad wives. Okay. So <laughs> I am writing my adventure for lesbians okay. and other people who are friends with lesbians. I'm not writing it for the trad wives. So I very explicitly at the start of my adventure written something that says that, like, this is an adventure about this and everyone is supposed, you know, everyone is allowed to enjoy cottagecore. We're not excluding anyone here. If you don't agree with that, don't play this adventure. Yeah. So, you know, I think there's lots of ways you can be thoughtful about who it is that's using the same aesthetic. Another one is like Norse visuals, obviously, as well. Yes. Sorry, I'm going off on a tangent about this stuff but it, you know there's a lot of stuff that gets co-opted by different groups so it can be useful to do a quick google be aware of who else might be using it and what that might mean mm -hmm. for your players yeah and obviously certain aesthetics like you said like norse and and vampires are, are maybe i mean actually i don't know i'm wrong i'm gonna redact what i was just about to say because it's, it's <laughs> i have a better answer i was gonna say mm -hmm. that those themes and maybe there are more pitfalls to them however I don't think that's the case. I actually just think because they're more popular, there's just more visi visibility more. of them. So the, the, the pitfalls are more yeah. readily available. I'm sure any theme has equal number of like pitfalls and traps and, and uh, taboos, mm -hmm. but they're just not as frequently established. So maybe, well, either way, you need to do your research on any kind of vibe yeah. you're going for. <laughs> 
all vibes equally badly. <laughs> all the vibes in the chat. <laughs> do your vibe check. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Wow, we do sound like kids now. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> I know what that means, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we, I just about know. <laughs> we've, we've given it a very, you know, a legitimate, wholesome meaning today yeah. uh, on this episode. <laughs> so here's, here's a good question, actually, I, I was having, and mm-hmm. I've seen both sides of the argument and i don't like we're not going to labor the point too much i don't want to turn this episode into like heavy because that's that's i'm not the best person to do that you've done that already (laughs) and there's 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 better (laughs) you know mediums for that but people say that you know you can use DD and and ttrpgs not specifically DD, but ttrpgs to work through these kind of issues be Mm -hmm. it specific things or more general things like mental well-being and, and this that and the other and there's yeah. there's both sides of the argument you know there's people that are like yes you can and it's a medium to do so and you can kind of work through these tricky issues that we see in you know our day-to-day life and, and try and get a new perspective yeah. on them and, and this that and the other and others are like no you don't need to do that you, you you've got a world to build that and you can build it free of all these kind of nasty mm. horrible things that we're trying to get away from anyway so i was just wondering like not to you know please don't answer if you're not comfortable or whatnot but uh but (laughs) but i just wondered like what your thoughts are because honestly i'm i i think i've stayed away from a lot of that kind of stuff just from you know i again i'm massively not qualified to really deal with any of that kind of stuff yet but i don't know your thoughts on those kind of those kind of things yeah I'm sort of in a similar boat to you in that I'm not a qualified therapist. I, you know, I don't know how you would actually go about exploring that. And I think that's an important point, actually. That is probably my opinion on it, is you probably shouldn't be trying to deliberately deal with someone's trauma through D&D if you don't know what you're doing and you're not a therapist. And I think most games you probably shouldn't be, unless you've all agreed ahead of time and are very, very clear on what you're trying to do. Mm. Because... You've got just as, like, for us lay people, we've got just as much chance of making something worse, probably, than making it better because, you know, we don't know how to do it. So, like, I can talk on Norse stuff, I can talk on visuals because I know about it uh, being a historian, but I don't know about how you would do that. So, personally, my games are for fun. We're there to have a good Mm -hmm. time. If someone's having difficulties, we can talk about it out of game, but we're not going to do it in game. Mm -hmm. But different groups might feel differently. But I do think, like, a side point on that is, like, I think you can have real-world issues in your game, like sexism mm-hmm. or whatever. But I personally like that for my heroes to be able to stop that. So yes. we played a, ver- a game, we used a lot of the um, Uncaged anthology, which is about subverting female monsters mm-hmm. and, like, is very feminist, basically. But in that, you're punching loads of sexist men and... <laughs> <laughs> you know make, getting them arrested and stuff yeah. so it was very like cathartic for us as a group to do because we're obviously stopping the bad things yes. rather than you know i would never play a game i don't think where my characters were trying to commit something real life mm-hmm. isms yes you know i would not want to do that obviously everyone's going different but personally i don't think mm-hmm. that's really a place for that in dnd but you know but I do think you can sometimes squash bad people mm-hmm. and get a bit of catharsis out. But I don't think it's a place for therapy. No, no. I think, you know, it's, it's the same <laughs> as like, it'd be the same as asking somebody to help with their like physical ailment. Like if someone was to ask me to set exactly. a bone, I'm going to be like, whoa, I, whoa, whoa, I'm not whoa, insured whoa, for yeah. that. Can- <laughs> I do not know how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> In the same way. <laughs> I will make it worse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So exactly. Um, I do think there is something, again, something to be said there for 
to quote Sigmund Freud, like sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. Like it's okay to have bad guys that are just yeah. painfully like knobs. Like they deserve to yeah. be squashed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like I think a lot of like to bring it back to what we were saying, like a lot of arguments around like oh should you play like this dark game or like a Ravenloft game or something? Yeah, play it because it is still fun to play in mm-hmm. those settings. Like it's just be aware you're playing for fun and you want it to be fun for everyone. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I interrupted your point, but I think it was a good point. No, 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 no. That, that's that, that's the point of the show. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's I'm the, always the first person to say like I am not an expert on X, Y, Z, and I find me saying that many times uh, throughout my life, <laughs> which I think is a, a, a better side to be on than to claim uh, expertise on something. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I very much agree. And my campaign has objective bad guys and i know maybe some people won't like that because even you know bad guys should be redeemable and sometimes you know sometimes you want to punch the bad guy yeah exactly (laughs) and you know know, maybe he is redeemable maybe they'll find a way to redeem him but i certainly haven't thought that far ahead uh that's it let's not do me a disservice let's just say i haven't thought that far ahead yet there there we go yeah exactly (laughs) sometimes it's hard thinking of how they're redeemable because you've made them really horrid (laughs) i've got like four years to to plan that probably anyway before we actually get to the end so i'm not too worried about it um but they've already had a minor kind of moral ambiguity uh, quandary around like a class mm. issue with like the working class versus the, the non-working class and like the academics versus people who choose to issue the academic life and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like t- touching on those kind of topics, but I know my players, you know, rather well. And I think yeah. this is a, I don't know how many games like i wish so many times i'm recording this show i just wish i had data like reams and reams of data in front of me yes. being a numbers and, and mechanical person that might not be <laughs> completely surprising but in terms of how many games are played with people you know versus you know pick up games i go down my local game shop yeah. i found them on roll 20 i can't help but feel that those kind of games obviously may be more susceptible to any any kind mm. of issues not just the ones we were just talking yes. about recently but any kind of issues because you don't have that familiarity so i would maybe if i was running those games i'd be a bit reticent to bring in like a class struggle for example just because you don't know you don't know what's you know what somebody's yeah. going through and whatnot and a lot of those instances are very much like you know if you go down to your local game store store channeling sean connery <laughs> there for a second <laughs> store <clears throat> to bring my southern <laughs> accent back in uh, to where it should be you know, sometimes you just turn up on the night and be like, yeah, there's a free DM, off you go. You don't really have the opportunity yeah. to be like, here's our two session zeros that Danlos told us we should have. You just kind of dive straight in. Yes. Yeah, no, that's a really good point, definitely. So I, I can, I'm free to bring in those kind of things and I have all their contact details. Like if there's any issues and, you know, they know where I live. <laughs> Sounds super menacing, but um, it isn't intended to be yeah. that way. But, you know, the, the, you know, it's an open door and stuff. So it's very easy to me to be like, one of the characters he built into his backstory that, he was like the last of his village because all the rest had been destroyed. So when we get to his arc, there's going to be bits of yeah. his past that are going to come back and there's going to be who did what, they did this, this happened, this, all this, you know, some potentially horrible stuff, but obviously he's mm. made that part of his, his character. But if some random was doing that, I wouldn't know. But I, my point being, after yeah. I finish this ramble, is I'd be really interested to know like the percentage of games that are pickup groups for lack of a better term versus yeah. familiar games like mine to see whether they are more susceptible or am i just completely talking nonsense yeah yeah it'll be really interesting to see i think yeah my gut feeling is i feel like you can kind of do more with your friend mm. group who you know you can trust and talk about it with but 
lots of people do play online or in their game stores and things. I do think, I don't know, mm, <laughs> I'm just trying to think about how to talk about it, but some people enjoy playing in groups they don't know that well. I have often gone along to game stores and things just for a one-off, mm. but I also like have access to a group who also want to play. Sometimes it's like you don't have anyone else to play with, and so it's like harder to mm. choose who you're going to end up with. And like I think that, I feel like that's when you get that clash of what you're expecting and to bring it back around to aesthetics, like... It's even more important to say what's what's the vibe, what's the aesthetic mm-hmm. of this game, because you're going to have lots of people with different viewpoints, starting points of where they're at in D and D, what they've done before. It's all going to colour how they're expecting it to go. Mm-hmm. So it's probably more important at that point to have like, you know, some sort of cues, be they visual or just general aesthetic or vibe mm-hmm. or whatever, to sort of yeah, mm-hmm. kind of quick start you into this particular game. Yeah, I think. It's better to play no game than a bad game, no matter how much you might want to play. I would say resist resist the temptation because <laughs> it might do more harm than good. <laughs> I've been quite lucky, but I also haven't played that many <laughs> public games. So Yes. Okay. Uh, well, thank you for joining me on that kind of crazy journey we took there. But I think it all links. It yeah, links yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm going <laughs> gonna, gonna to pull us back up a little bit, light in the tone, yeah. um, light and breezy. Um to talking about like real world stuff so we're gonna get a little bit meta in terms of like dice and how dice look so and 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 you know like the paraphernalia shall we say uh, associated with playing the world's famous ttrpg um so how many do you have sets of dice that is uh and and if (laughs) so like uh, do, do they have a particular vibe that you that you ask how many dice a lady has no i have (laughs) Actually, I don't have that many dice because they're quite expensive. Um, but I do have some that are like themed to different sort of stuff I do. Although I realised uh, I bought like some really cool dice that were going to fit with my character, and then I couldn't actually read them oh. <laughs> because they were too like there was too much inside, and I couldn't actually read the numbers. There was too much well, aesthetic. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, um, so actually, the ones I use the most are like these plain blue ones because I have old eyes and I can't see. Uh, see it properly <laughs> but yeah yeah definitely i feel like people theme stuff into real life with their dice and some people get dressed up and things like that i personally don't because i don't have if, time if, if i had <laughs> infinite money i would absolutely buy like a really nice premium set of dice that were like hyper specific to my characters yeah. just to really really be like this is this is quinn's time then my character like this is his dice we're, we're here yeah. at this point for him uh whereas at the moment i've just got like a bag of like four or five different sets that are just a mismatch yeah. of really pretty colors like pearlescent and pinks and purples and that kind of lovely stuff mm-hmm. but yes you're absolutely right they are um, unfortunately expensive sometimes for like a really premium set i mean i say it's unfortunate mm-hmm. for me as a consumer they're absolutely worth what what they're, oh, <laughs> what they're sure, charging yeah. them. it's just i wish i had all the money in the world and then i'd have like yeah. <laughs> so many really nice you know and ah uh, you'd even have a special dice for special spells, right? Like, a, uh, Quinn's a wizard, so, like, he's mm. always got a bunch of different spells that are themed in a bunch of different ways. Although, saying that, I have kind of built him from a saving throw perspective. So, actually, I go through combat rolling very little dice because there's always the enemies rolling them. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. in fact, do I have any spells that I roll to hit? I, <laughs> I actually don't think he does. <laughs> mm. I was going to say, that makes me think of, um, I don't know if you've read Tasha's cordon of everything mm-hmm. but there's a section in that that talks about like theming your spells in game mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it's saying like instead of fireball you could have like 
chicken ball. I don't know <laughs> if you were bowl. a chicken wizard or something. Yeah. Or, you know, or like food themed spells or something, yes. and like flavoring, flavoring. You know, <laughs> design, yeah, flavoring your spells to fit a sort of design rather than being like, okay, I'm a wizard, so I have this mm-hmm. fire thing, and I always have fire, no matter what type of wizard I am. Like, I think that's quite fun as well, mm-hmm. and could even fit with your dice as well. Yeah, absolutely. So my wizard, I'm talking about Quinn. He's a chronomancy wizard from Wildermount, I think. Uh, so it's all about time and stuff and and that kind of stuff. So I've got haste and slow because they fit his yeah. his vibe, his aesthetic. Um, but instead of haste making that person move, f- I mean, this is I'm splitting hairs a little bit, but I had a really nice thought that I wanted to implement in the game yeah. was that instead of haste making the character I cast on move faster, to them it's like a quicksilver or a flash moment where everybody yeah. else moves slower. So I was like, as soon as I cast it on you, like all the crowds are just like slow motion cheering and like we're all just kind of like walking like through syrup and you can just move around at, at normal speed. Yeah. So then they don't feel like they're running really fast. They just feel like they're walking normally. And I was like, oh, that's... When I had that's that cool. idea, I was like, I'm really looking forward to bringing that in because um, I really like that kind of spin on it because just haste, move faster, just makes it feel like they're zipping around the map, which they are to everybody yeah. else. But I kind of like that perspective shift mm. on it to fit his aesthetic of this chrono, like I'm messing with time. And for you, time is just slowed down rather than you going faster. It's a subtle difference, but one that means a lot to both me and Quinn, I yeah. think. If you ask Quinn, it yeah, would be Yeah, it develops it, yeah. <laughs> and also, like, I feel like bards get a lot of fun in that department with, like, dissonant whispers and things, mm. and, um, you know, you get to say all these mean <laughs> words and stuff. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I feel like sort of the surface level of the other classes don't really let you do that unless you do it yourself. So mm. I think it's really fun to, yeah, bring it in in-game as well. Yeah. Now, now here's a here's a question to ask on that. Now, I've asked my players before when they've said I cast this, and usually I've done the narration for them, but sometimes I've gone, "What does that look like?" Yeah. Now, in you know a utopia, I'm sure every player would be like, "Yes, mine looks like th- these chickens come out and mm-hmm. they flock the point and blah blah blah." But a lot of the time, my players have just gone, "Uh, it's a ball of fire." that explodes uh so how do you you know how do you deal with it how would you encourage people Mm. or maybe players or dms to kind of encourage that train of thought Mm. to kind of put their own aesthetic spin on their spells and their characters i think two-pronged which is firstly if someone isn't into it i wouldn't make them don't push them yeah i wouldn't force them to but I just do it myself a lot Mm -hmm. as the DM. So I will describe a lot of things in cool ways to lead the way, basically. And I feel I try and do that a lot in most of the ways I'm trying to teach my players, Mm -hmm. be them new players or older, is that I'll just try and be really enthusiastic about how I'm describing things Mm -hmm. and hopefully they will want to join in. And then I might ask them every now and again, like, what does that look like? And usually because I've been gushing about cool stuff, they'll want to join in. But sometimes people don't. So, um, yeah, basically lead by example, I would say. Mm-hmm. And you were like, don't force them. I just had this vision of this like this DM shouting at their player, like, tell me the colour of your fireball. It. You <laughs> must describe it to me. You don't cast it until you tell me what colour it is and how fast it moves through the air. <laughs> Tells a somatic element. Tell me what you say every single time. Yeah. yeah. No. no. Spell. No, no, no. That's what I say every time. Spell. <laughs> That's all yeah. I say. <laughs> um, okay. Is there, is there anything you wanted to talk about that we might have missed? feel like we've covered an awful lot of ground actually we have we've been on a right adventure from like how to design homebrew to what color are your dice (laughs) yeah i think 
that was it really i think i was just gonna men i remember just we were talking about maps before mm -hmm. and i was just gonna recommend like there's lots of people making really beautiful maps online on and they put them up on reddit and twitter and things mm -hmm. And that's another great place just to get ideas from rather than trying to always make your own map is just being like, hmm, okay, this is a really cool map. I want to use it. Uh, I'll bring that in. So I would just recommend checking some of those people out because so many people are sharing so many amazing mm -hmm. ideas. Like, I think it's lovely to be able to kind of bring lots of that into your own game rather than sort of closing yourself off and thinking, oh, no, I must only make things that come precisely from my own brain is actually, I, I heard the phrase a while back, um, filling up your like creative well, mm -hmm. which seems a, a little bit, you know, hippie hugging trees <laughs> thing. But I think it's quite a fun expression because it's like, actually, it's good to look at other stuff and yeah. bring things in. We'll give you more ideas in the long run because, mm -hmm. you know, stealing from several different sources is creating a new thing. <laughs> yes. So you need to look at lots of different stuff to mm -hmm. come up with all the fun ideas. Yeah. And to definitely complete that loop that you've set up from the, the bookend, the show is... That is one thing that I don't sometimes have the liberty of being my self-perfectionist, internal, mechanical kind of person I am. Is like, I'm always like, well, the encounter is going to look like this and I can't leverage the fantastic art that people put out there because I'm like, well, the house has to be there. So it's not, <laughs> it's not going to yeah. work for me. So a very good benefit of doing it is, is having that art, as you said, like there for you to use. So yeah, no, that's a very good point, and uh, yeah, lovingly bookended. Um, we, we've been on such a journey, and it's so nice. I feel to... sad though because it's bookended by you going. I feel like I can't do it. So <laughs> I hope maybe this is the this is the uh, jump for you to yes. try some different things and feel more confident. Because perfectionism can be good sometimes, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's my uh, my secret source of the podcast is actually just me trying to improve myself, and I don't really care if anyone <laughs> listens to it. It's just a it's just a mind. Got to listen to everyone and, and hear the journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A first episode, I'm like I'm, I'm shouting at my players, asking them to tell me what color the spell is. Yeah, that's. <laughs> okay well uh thank you for the for this this talk today we, yeah we've covered an awful lot and it's been super fun so thank you very much thank you i've had a lovely time as well awesome uh, is there anything you would like to plug anything you're working on at the moment sure um i mentioned various things as examples throughout the show you may want to check those out listeners um if you want to find them the best place is to go on my twitter which is at mort philippa philippa with one l two p's and from there, there are links to my DM Skill page, Drive Through RPG, and Itch.io, where I make various D&D adventures, but also other games, um, including some very silly small ones that you can play in an hour, and some longer ones as well. But yeah, Twitter at MortPhilippa is the best place to find me. Amazing! Thank you very much. All the episodes, oh, all the episodes will be in the links. No, all the links will be in the episode <laughs> descriptions. Ever the professional. Uh, it's not as if this is like the fiftieth time I had to do this. No. <laughs> All the links will be in the episode description as usual. I would encourage you all to check out Philippa's stuff. Otherwise, all that's left to say is thank you once again, Philippa. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening at home. Please reach out to us on our socials. I would very much love to hear from you. Otherwise, thank you all for listening and good night.